Hi, people. Oh, is that how you're just going to start it? Just hi, people? Sure, why not? <laughs> Man. Um, actually, did you have a good starter for this one? Hi, people. <laughs> hi, people. Oh, my God. If you're on YouTube, at least John's <laughs> waving to you. Uh, well, the first time. I waved to him the second time. Uh, well, I'm a person. Yeah. Except for when the voices in my head talk to me, and then it's people. Point in case. Yeah, Hi, okay. people. <laughs> I'm not talking to you, Keith. I'm talking to all the other oh, people there. okay. All right. That's like a Chef on South Park. He goes, hello, children. Even if it's just one or all of them, mm. he's always, hello, children. He never know, calls any of them by their name. Did you see that? Uh, yeah, he's right. Yes, creepy. <laughs> a little um, bit, yeah. Did you see uh, that thing that a buddy of mine posted on Facebook where it said, uh, and I don't even know why, it's not even like, this is your elf name or anything. It was just like literally take the first two letters of your first name and the last two letters of your last name, smash them together for some other name. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of people had some really funny ones, although my brother, Brett Codette, was just Brett with one T. <laughs> so, oh. but I'm a Keat. Nice. Like a single parakeet. First, first two and last two of first name, last name? Mm-hmm. Jond. Joned? Jond. J-O-N-D. Yeah. Yond? Yond. We'll go I like Yond. Y- I like Yond. <laughs> nice. All right, man. Well, enough of that. Uh, <laughs> let's talk some 4x4 stuff today. Sounds good. Let's try a to. little article I found that I think we can both be appreciative of. for An, an article? Vehicle. Indeed. All right. Let's, so, let's hear it. Sounds good. It's time to hit the trail, lock in those hubs, and throw it into low range. Because you are listening to Wheel It with Keith and Johnny Orange. Broadcasting from the Thin Line Off-Road Studio, they're here to talk about 4x4s, trucks, and everything to do with enjoying the great outdoors. Buckle up, here's your hosts, Keith and Johnny Orange. So have you seen the, uh, they've been leaking a bunch of stuff about the new Bronco? I've seen a little bit. I don't know how much is fact, how much is fiction. Most of what I've seen so far I like, although i got to say that the back-to-end design of it, uh, at least the spy photos I saw, looks way too much like a um, Jeep, uh, what are the pickup trucks called right now? Gladiators. Gladiators, yeah. yeah I wanted to say Commander. I knew that was wrong. Um, <laughs> It looks way too much like the Gladiator, in my opinion. Uh, not that that's a bad thing, but mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't think the Gladiator is like a really sexy looking vehicle, anyways. Yeah. But well, what what if I tell you the number seven? Seven passenger? No. Um, let me see. Seven, seven, seven. Are they calling it the FJ seven? No. Um, let's see. Playing with seven here. Seven, seven, seven. Uh, <laughs> uh, seven speed manual transmission. Yes. Yeah, well, that's the Jeep has too. So yeah, yeah, cool, that's awesome. So I, I did, I did hear, I did read about two years ago that they were pretty much guaranteeing that it was going to have a manual transmission option. Nice. Uh, so I'm pretty happy that they do. I just saw the article today and pulled it up just shortly before I was heading here. Any word? I, just, I love it. Any word as whether it's a solid axle or IFS? Yeah, no, I don't recall seeing that in the article. I read it uh, shortly before we came down here. All I didn't s- see anything about it. Though. All the spy shots I've seen uh, have had an IRS, so it, it's definitely solid axle rear. Yeah. But it seems like, it seems kind of, I don't say low, but the cladding and stuff in the front mm-hmm. is making me think that it's IFS, but it's it's unsure. That's but they did say the release on it's what, September. They're releasing it early. I just heard the news on it. I they, it just said the unveiling was next month. I didn't. Again, I only read the one article. I, well, I mean, I could be wrong, but yeah. I just heard on one of the automotive shows something I listened to. I don't remember which one because I listened mm. to a bunch of them. But I guess Ford decided because of this whole COVID thing and all of that, mm. that it was kind of like their gift to the world that they're going to oh. release it early. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. so I would like to see the Bronco, um, you know, that would be early. awesome, we, yeah. We'll just have to see what it is. Yeah. I'm excited for it. Speaking of solid axles, uh, this is episode 60. Yes, indeed. And there's no surprise to our listeners, if you're a regular listener, 
We have talked about this probably for the last 35 episodes, <laughs> yeah. that at some point uh, we were going to do episode 60. We were going to talk about the Dana 60 uh, front axle, mm-hmm. and I guess and rear a little bit, but the Dana 60 uh, straight up... Um, you know, we kind of toyed with some honorable mentions of like the six liter Ford, but we've mm-hmm. got an idea of when to do that later. So, yeah, uh, I see a lot of notes. This is going to be one of those John note heavy episodes. Eh, no, I mean a lot of it's just kind of bullet points. I meant to go through and, and roll with a few it, man, things, because but... I I don't want to say that I am the Dana sixty god, but I do have. Just a, a ton, ton, ton of information because obviously in the four x four world, this is considered like the, the axle, holy grail. yeah, the holy grail axle, and um, you know, so we just, uh, you know, we need to cover some stuff about it. But yeah, you've got a bunch of notes, and I want to see if what you've dug up is correct. Well, I, I couldn't consult the ultimate source. Your head seems to have a little bit of everything. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so obviously, it's an automotive axle made by Dana Holding Corporation. Using a lot of the OEM pickup lines, uh, some passenger car applications, which I going through the list later on, I never realized some of these had them. Well, yeah, so, okay, the passenger car, that's <coughs> not for front. That's only no, rear no, axle rear application. Yeah, and the most common rear, app, rear axle application for the Dana 60 is going to be uh, late 60s, early 70s Chrysler muscle cars. Yeah, that, that was what I where that part of the list go. Yeah, Plymouth uh, Dodges, things like that. Yeah, the Chargers, the uh, mm-hmm. Super B, Ram 250s, 350. Well, that's trucks. Yeah. So, yeah, there are a lot, a lot of different ones in here. Well, you know, I, I know our listeners. They're uh, they're gonna want to know about the front axle because that is like the four x four thing, and and the Dana sixty rear axle is not necessarily the top of the hill, <laughs> the most desirable for the rear. Yeah. It's not a bad axle, yeah, but the front is kind of what made the name for it. Do you want to talk briefly why the rear version is not as desirable as the front? You got notes on that? If not, I can talk I, intelligently. Most of what I have for... just generic stuff. Uh, I mean, you're kind of gonna be the lot more key on that. This is just more information about the, the axle itself, not pros and cons. Well, so, okay. After you, sir. So, like, like, let's just get the cons of the rear axle application mm-hmm. out of there. Uh, mostly, the Dana 60 rear axle. Uh, one, most applications only had 30 spline yep. axle shafts, which is the same size as Dana 44. Mm-hmm. There are some oddball 35-spline um, creatures out there. Yeah. But for the most part, your Dana 60 rear came from the factory with 30 splines. And then it's basically a 50-50, whether it was a semi-float rear axle mm-hmm. or it was a full-float rear axle. Now, if you've got a... There's really no reason to build a semi-float Dana 60 uh, unless you're building a car, yeah. If you're building a, a, you know, like a Charger, or Challenger, something like that, go ahead, build one of those all day long. You mm-hmm. can still get larger axle shafts from Moser and Strange and all those axle guys. But the, um, you know, as for the full float versions, most of them the spindles are too small to even physically fit a <laughs> Dana thirty. Or I'm sorry, a thirty five spline axle shaft into. Jeez. And so you have to bore them out. There is room. There's enough meat in there to bore mm-hmm. them out. Uh, so it's, it just sounds expensive and like a royal pain, though. <laughs> well, there's you can buy a jig to do it. Uh, you I can suppose, cut yeah. off the spindles and machine them. There's different ways to Probably do it. Probably them or something, too, for, I would imagine. For the most part, if you're going to build a rear axle... Uh, full float, and you want to stay kind of Dana, mm-hmm. you're better just starting with a Dana 70 because physically the pumpkin, you know, the differential itself yeah. is the same size as a Dana 60, but yet you get the 10.5 inch ring gear over... I, actually, I don't know off the top of my head. Was it 9.75, 9.5 with the Dana 60? The, it just general specs is saying 9 and 3 quarter inch, so 9.75 9. yeah. So you get a larger ring gear going to a Dana 70 for, for a rear. That would um, make a lot more sense that way. <laughs> yeah, so... That's um, really, in a nutshell, that's why the Dana 60, it's not a bad rear axle, mm-hmm. but to make it strong and to run those big axle shafts where, like in a, most Dana 70s, you already got the 35 spline yeah. from the factory. Or in a 14 bolt, you got you still got 30 spline, but it's a large coarse spline. And ridiculously heavy. Yeah, very, very <laughs> beefy, inch and a half axle shafts. Oof. So 
you know, in the in the rear application, the Dana 60 is it's okay for a Jeep lightweight rig XJ mm-hmm. uh, TJ. Fine, run it. Great, great axle. Tell me my Dana 44 is not up to snuff in anything then? Well, they're, they're almost <laughs> equal to a Dana 44, where yeah. a stock 60 so, rear, you're pretty much going to be looking at, the only difference is the ring gear size. Yeah, it was one of the notes I'd found on it. Uh, this was a specific one in in GMC. It was basically a Dana 60 center section and then 44 everything else. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's not just GMC though. That's Ford. <clears throat> that's that's Dodge. Yeah, pretty much any of them that had the sixty rear. So uh, back to the fronts. Back mm-hmm. to the fronts. That's what he wants to talk about. Yeah. So what do you got on front axles, John? Well, mid seventies, all the big three started using them. Correct. So naturally, uh, the GM in eighty eight began phasing it out in favor of independent suspension. So that's kind of a, a downfall right there. I so mean, I, that's a sad. Day. I've got actually <laughs> some exact years here for you. Oh, so okay. Ford. And Dodge started using the Dana 60, um, respectively, like you said, in the mid-70s. But yep. the first versions were closed-knuckle, drum-brake, not very desirable axles. New. New. <laughs> so what we're going to talk about today are the king of the hill, the kingpin open-knuckle uh, Dana 60s. Now, for our listeners out there, if you don't know the difference between an open knuckle and a closed knuckle axle, here's what's kind of weird. So if you're familiar with like Toyotas and Samurais and stuff like that, those are all closed knuckle. Mm. If you look at where the, um, you know, your, your spindle st- steers on the axle, on your front axle, if you can see the U-joint at that knuckle point you know where it's pivoting then you've got an open knuckle axle if you've got a big ball there that's kind of surrounded by a little bit of grease and a grease seal it's a closed knuckle axle i've seen those they're funny looking (laughs) well what's interesting is all the best japanese axles Mm -hmm. are closed knuckles and all the worst american axles are closed knuckles interesting we built open knuckles better so it's what came first the u.s or the japanese versions uh, well, the U.S., uh, because the U.S. was the one who first mass-produced four-wheel drive, and then the Japanese... That was a stupid question. <laughs> well, that, no, it's not a stupid question, because we, they all kind of did it around the same time, but the yeah. Japanese, after World War II, started producing vehicles. They were as occupied Japan, mm-hmm. and the U.S. military was having them produce Jeeps and things like that, and they were giving them the American designs. So at the time, we were building closed knuckle axles. I think I recall axles. discussing this. At yeah, one exactly. Point. Yeah, we, we talked about they kind of took what we did and improved upon it. Exactly. So yeah. that's what they did. They took one design and ran with it, where we eventually morphed into something different. Mm-hmm. Now, for Ford, Ford came out with the open knuckle Dana 60 front end in 1977. But only in their crew cab pickup truck, F two fifty and F three fifty. You could not get it in the F one fifty. Yeah, uh, and even the F two fifty, most of them had Dana forty fours. So it had to be a uh, gross vehicle weight rating. I think it was eight thousand pounds and higher. Mm-hmm. Then you got the Dana sixty in the front. Nice. But in nineteen seventy seven, in that crew cab, it was a low pinion thirty spline. Oh. Axle shaft, so it's not a very desirable front. Yeah, seventy eight or late seventy seven, they came out with the what's considered the, the the king of the hill, like the ultimate Dana sixty ever, which is the kingpin high pinion Dana sixty front. Nice, and that was a seventy eight seventy nine Ford axle only, and those are the only two years they ever had it. So very very difficult axle to find. Fairly difficult. To, to find one in a wrecking yard or something, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, to find one, and, and let me back up. Okay, no, that's not the only years they did a kingpin high pinion. Mm-hmm. It's the only years they did a kingpin high pinion with a 32-inch spring perch width, which okay. is common to a lot of vehicles. Yeah, uh, It's common to Jeep YJs. It's common to you know a whole bunch of the Chevys, things like mm-hmm. that, if you want to swap that axle in. They then... Ditched the solid axle in 1980, Ford did, and it didn't come back again <laughs> until 1986. Yeah. Now, when it came back in 86, they had the kingpin axle again, high pinion Dana 60, but this time they made the spring perch width 36 inches. Doesn't make it as swappable into other things. It's a very wide, the, the width of the axle is basically the same, but now the springs sit out further and gotcha. the. 
the whole pumpkin sits closer to the driver's side. Mm. So even if you find one of those axles and you start cutting off all the brackets and you say you're going to run uh, coilovers. next question. Could you re- realign it? You, you can, but to put it into something else, you've got to run it as a full-width axle because oh. the scrub radius. Oh, yeah. So those axles aren't quite as desirable as a 78-79. Yeah, naturally. Those are the ones I was trying to track down for the uh, Commando project. Not not as Dana 60s, the uh, the Dana 44 and the Ford 9-inch. Mm-hmm. So from the, the Broncos in those years. Or no, yeah. before those years. You were looking for the, the early, Bronco. early Broncos, yeah. which are narrower. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, correct. So, I, I found a set in my buddy's yard. He says, 100 bucks. I didn't know anything about them. I knew they were what I thought they were what I wanted, or close to at least. So I went up, you know, went home, look up the ear brakes and everything, and it's talking about the the cast wedges versus the welded. Mm-hmm. So I went back and looked; they were cast. Yeah, yeah, I told they're you about that there. too. Yeah, yeah I, no, it was you I talked to about it then. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they're they're still sitting there. Unfortunately, yeah, that's not a great axle to to play. That'd no. be a full size axle. That's not a that's yeah. not a mini axle. I was bummed. Small bra. <laughs> I was bummed out. He um, wanted them gone, and they they're they're really nice looking axles. Oh, they are nice looking. Yeah. Yeah. Re- going back to who came out with them first and all this and that mm. as well. Dodge, uh, I believe late 77, 78 was the first year that they also used the uh, Dana 60. Look that up. In the uh, open knuckle kingpin design. Uh, I've got 75 in my notes. and then Those, were, those were closed knuckle drum brakes. Oh, right, brakes. right, right. Yeah, I'm sorry. They, the list it just has common applications here. It doesn't specify or break it down much more. Now, here's what's interesting. Uh, in the Dodge world. Now, the Dodge and the Chevy axles, and the Chevy axle came out, I believe, in 77 as well. Mm -hmm. So right about that, 77, they were pretty much all going to, I mean, they all were sourcing from Dana. Yeah. So Dana was saying, okay, well, this is what we have now. Yeah. But the Chevy version immediately used your standard, used to today by some vehicles, internal lockout hubs. Mm Mm-hmm. Dodge used an external lockout hub, which is an old design that went back to the 50s. Yeah. So the axles were identical all the way out to the hubs and the lockouts. Mm -hmm. You could physically take pretty much, there's some slight geometrical differences, but you can physically take, like, let's say if you had an 82 Chevy and an 82 Dodge, you could swap the axles around and they'll bolt into each other. That's awesome. But there's, like I said, there's a difference in the lockouts. Yeah. What's also interesting about the Dodges, so the Dodge, the external lockout hubs are not as desirable because they're only available in 30 spline. And they're not uh, as strong. Yeah. But what's interesting in the Dodges, if you're going to kind of like mismatch a couple of parts together, mm-hmm. in 78 and early 79, the Dodge Snow Commanders, the axles that they ordered from Dana, mm-hmm. Dana had run out of the seas. Yeah. The the part that you know welds onto the axle where yeah. your knuckle turns. Yep. They had run out of their Dana 60Cs. So they used extremely rare uh to this day, because they didn't make many of them, extremely rare open knuckled Dana 70 inner C's. So the inner C's on the 78 easy. and early 79 snow commanders is like an extra half an inch thick versus oh. every other Dana 60 they ever made. That sounds awesome. <laughs> so if you were going to build the ultimate, it's still a low-pinion axle, but let's say you were going to build the ultimate passenger drop, and that's something else too. The Chevy and the Dodge were both passenger drop axles, mm-hmm. so the drive shaft went into the passenger side, Yeah, where the Ford was driver's side. But if you're going to build the ultimate, pa- so a passenger drop axle is better for like an old CJ or something mm-hmm. because your drive shaft's drop. already there. Yeah. If you're going to build the ultimate um, Dana 60 passenger drop axle, mm-hmm. You get a 78, early 79 Snow Commander Dodge. You take everything off the outsides. You take the the spindles and all that off, and you Mm -hmm. swap Chevy or Ford spindles and knuckles onto it, but you get the large inner C's now. Dude. So now (laughs) now you're you're building something that's even a little bit stronger. And and a lot of the guys that do the, the... professional rock bouncing and stuff mm-hmm. if they don't buy the brand new like reed racing knuckles and reed racing z's yeah that's what they do is they look for those old snow commander axes nice i've only had one in all the years other than the 30 or 40 dana 60s i've ever had i've only had one of those snow commander axes they're hard even, to find what is it 
It's Dana 60. Well, no, the Snow Commander, I mean. Snow Commander was a package you could uh, order from Dodge in okay. the late 70s in their three-quarter and one-ton trucks. Nice. And I assume, like, geared as plow vehicle kind of thing? Yeah, it was geared nice. for that. Either 410s, 456s, a lot of times Ooh. a limited slip in the rear. Ooh. And uh, I think you could actually, like, put onto your payment... A plow from the fact huh. from uh, not from the factory but from the dealership. That's awesome. And that's no pretty commander. cool. <laughs> well, dude, let's take a quick break and let's continue on with this. Uh, I'm sure Sounds you have more questions. I I got a little more. Yeah, I, I want to know more about this, Dana. Well, we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. <laughs> Hey, it sounds like it's time to swap out that old engine for something better, John. Yeah, man, but I have so much into my trans and transfer case set up already. I don't want to change those two. Sounds like you need to call Quick Draw Brand Adapters. They specialize in conversion bell housings for nearly all diesel and gasoline engines, including the new 2.8R Cummins. You know, I like weird engines, though. I want something different. Then you definitely need to visit quickdrawbrand.com today. They have those hard-to-find parts. They also have used diesel engines available. You can call them at 513-446-9654. Cool, I'll do that. See what they have. Thanks. So, my question's coming back now. We're talking about some of these beefed-up axles. Is there a difference between the Super Dana 60 and the HD Dana 60? Or are those just kind of interchangeable terms? I... I've never heard of an HD Dana 60 except for the rear application. <laughs> that might have been where I saw the reference now that you mention it that way. The, so. the HD Dana 60 in the rear application was, to the best of my knowledge, a Chevy, maybe Dodge only rear dually axle mm-hmm. in cabin chassis, van, and motorhomes. Oh, so that and was they impressive. Had, they had 35, <laughs> no, they had 35 spline axle shafts, yeah. but they were a little bit wider than your typical rear axle. Mm-hmm. So unless you're building a really wide, full-size rig, it's not yeah. a super desirable axle. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, and I've had one of those before. I sold it to a friend of mine. Uh, you know, they, they're a little bit wider than a Dana 60 front. Most of your Dana 60 kingpin fronts which kingpins mm-hmm. ran through we've said on the show before 91 and 93 respectively yeah uh gm and dodge i'm sorry gm and ford their last year on paper for the kingpin dana 60 front was 91 although gm did have some cabin chassis commercial vehicles mm-hmm. up to 93 that still had them nice but dodge did officially run the kingpin dana 60 front all the way up to 93 nice Nice. And then they all went over to ball joints, which yeah. the ball joint axles we've talked about before, they're just <laughs> as strong. It's just a preference here yeah. for building. No, I came across that. It's talking about it, a bigger ring and pinion, larger, thicker diameter steel tubes at a half inch thick. That is insane. You know, it, it <laughs> might not be what I'm thinking of than the HD version. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's something maybe to look a little bit more into. I'm not familiar with an HD version front, but I do know the yeah. Super 60 front, which is available in the Ford Super Duties only, mm-hmm. came out around, I want to say, 05, 06. Yeah. Something like that. And that does have a larger ring and pinion, larger mm-hmm. U-joints. Uh, and maybe they called it the HD 60 in the in the beginning. I'm it, not it sure. It could have been. I just, it's one of those terminologies to come across... Don't know if it's always interchangeable because there'll be a big paragraph on you know this title and then a mention down here. So is that a slang for that or something else? I've, well, I've come across it in both ways before looking stuff up. So there is a lot of misinformation out there about the Ford Super 60. Mm-hmm. Um, one, a lot of the uninitiated think the Ford Super 60 is any Dana 60 out of a Super Duty. That's not correct. Huh. They use the Dana 60 and the Ford Super Duties all the way from the F-250 up to the F-550. Nice. I've driven one of those once. It was weird. What? Why? It was a really big truck. <laughs> well, I mean, it's no bigger than the Excursion. I mean, the front end and the dash and all that. At the time, I had never even seen an Excursion. Though. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I had seen it, but I, this before I really knew or understood anything of what I was doing. Gotcha. So I just... The guy asked me to back the thing up, and he would guide me into the alignment spot, so I did. Okay. And, yeah, I've driven a couple of 450s since then. 
I could drive a 650 once, too. 650 is different. That's like the big medium-duty trucks. Yeah, that one was one with air brakes that I bashed my head off of the uh, visor on. Yeah, don't do that. That might yeah. have been a 750 or an 850, then. That could have been. I didn't know it was air brakes. Nobody mm. told me. Mm. So I didn't buckle up. Nice. So I, I just drive it. You know, I put on the brake, put it in reverse. It's an automatic. And, uh, yeah, I, I get, go to pull forward and just boom. Nice. Yeah, it was... I laughed. Air brakes are a little different, yeah. Yeah, everybody in the shop laughed when I walked back in holding my head. and We told the customer what happened, and he got real concerned. He goes, is my truck okay? Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, your truck's... He was messing around. Yeah, yeah, for he sure. He was that kind of guy. He'd, he'd have laughed if something did happen. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Well, back to the confusion, like I was saying. Uh, yeah. The Super 60 came out in about, like, 05, mm-hmm. and... Uh, this is when they went over to the coil spring front axles mm-hmm. and the super 60 at first was only available in the F450 and the 550. So if your axle comes out of a F350 or 250, mm-hmm. uh, up until the very new ones that came out in 2017, then it is not a super du- or super 60 axle. Gotcha. With that being said, not all 450s and 550s have Super 60 axles either until mm. a certain year. And I want to say it was 09. Okay. So like 05 to 09, you had to get a certain set of combination like GVWs and stuff for yeah. the vehicle to actually get the Super 60 with the larger ring gear and the larger U-joints hmm. on the axle shafts. And I can't speak super intelligently to it because I've never even owned one. I've only read mm. about them. But... Uh, then they eventually went and started putting the Super 60, I think it was 08 or 09, in all of the 450s and 550s. Nice. And from what I've read, and once again, I have not messed with them because it's just a little too new for me. I'm more of an old car guy, an old <laughs> truck guy. Mm-hmm. The 2017 on Super Duties, all of them are Super 60s, and the outers are what they change, whether yeah. it gets 8 lug or 10 lug and things like that. You know. So for the most part speaking, from the beginning of the run to the end, do you know, were there a lot of changes in the ring and pinions, or the guts stay the same, and then it's... The guts have pretty much stayed the same <coughs> until the Super Jeez. 60. That's awesome. Yeah, that's the, nice to know. A large range of things to pull parts from. That's cool. yeah. They're they're very um, very universal that yeah. way. The axle shafts are different because they went from, yep. of course, uh, narrower axles with kingpins mm-hmm. to ball joint axles, then eventually to unit bearing axles. Yeah, they got rid of the rebuildable hubs Bummer. in the nineties <laughs> around the same time. Uh, well, no, Ford ran um, up until ninety early ninety seven. Uh, the rebuildable hubs and then when they came back out with the super duty in 99 mm-hmm. they had the unit bearings on it <laughs> exactly yeah speaking <laughs> of which i think i got one on excursion that's going it makes a lot of noise every once in a while and then it goes didn't, away again did, so didn't he rip on me for that one day yeah that was the uh, passenger <laughs> side now the driver side oh, i think is right, making right, some right, noise right. Well, I mean, as long as you keep that oil leak, that's probably what's stopping the noise. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Let's spray on everything. <laughs> yes, exactly. So you're, in fact, helping to prolong the life of your vehicle. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and continuing with the anti-rust application. So. Exactly. Um, what else you got there, John? Because I think the way that I kind of want to end this, I mean, because I could talk Dana 60s all day in tech, and I can get way too techie, kind of like you do on some stuff. I understand. <laughs> and but I, mean, I you, think you covered what I, a big point. I mean, most of the high points, what I got, there's... I mean, I got military specs from vehicles they were in. There's a nice little chunk on the Land Rover and this Salisbury 60 in the UK. I've heard of it. I've never seen one. I, I really can't speak intelligently on it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much the gist of it. Is It's there. They had one that was like a steak with a little bit of gravy on it? I guess, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it it uh, made for poor traction control. Mm. You know. So. Slipped a lot on yeah, the gravy. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Gotcha. <laughs> Um, the way I, I guess I'd kind of like to end on the Dana 60 fronts and like I said, I get super techie one. (laughs) If anybody has any questions whatsoever about Dana 60 fronts, uh, I'm going to give you a couple of sources. Mm -hmm. Now the first source Go on pirate4x4.com. Yes. I love those guys. Google the Bill of Vista Dana 60 Bible. Villa Vista, B-I-L-L-A-V-I-S-T-A. Isn't that a user on there? Yeah, it is. But oh, yeah. he's written so much stuff over the years. He wrote the Dana 60 Bible about 20 years ago on nice. there. And it is full of, it's. I wouldn't say every single piece of Dana 60 information, mm-hmm. but darn near. 
Nice. It's a great place to start. Now, if you've got another Dana 60 question and you are just itching to know an answer about it, go on 4x4 Talk on Facebook and post it up, and I will do my very best to answer you probably within a day. That works. Um, you know, go on there if any of our listeners, you know, join the 4x4 Talk Facebook group. We talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Get on there and say, hey, man, I was listening to Dana 60 episode, and I got a question about this. Now, I'm not going to BS you. If I don't know, I'm just going to say, man, I don't know. I might do some research for you, mm-hmm. but, you know, pretty much... Ed knows I've had plenty of questions over the years on stuff I've asked you about. You're a hell of a resource, that's for sure. With the axles, because that was always yeah. kind of my thing. Yeah. Now, the other, so what I wanted to kind of end the Dana 60 portion on, before we talk about maybe some of our, our 4x4 news mm-hmm. and museum minutes and things like that, the kind of a junkyard spotter's guide on this. Okay. You like that idea? I love it. Okay. Uh, it, or Craigslist spotter's guide. Mm. If you are looking for... A high pinion driver's drop Dana 60 front axle, you're going to be getting one out of a Ford. Yeah. And the way you need to do this, if you're looking for a rebuildable hub or a kingpin or ball joint one, but like I said, with rebuildable hubs, mm-hmm. you're going to be looking for one out of an F350. No matter what anybody tells you, an F250 never came with a Dana 60 front. Huh. So. Any eight lug solid axle in a Ford that's in an F two fifty from the factory is going to be in Dana forty four. And a Dana forty four they even put those in eight lug configurations. They did in all of them, all the big three. <coughs> Just oh because it has eight lugs does not make it a Dana sixty. That's good to know because I never would have thought that. Many three quarter <laughs> ton front axles are Dana forty fours with hmm. eight lugs, and they're no stronger than a half ton Dana forty yeah. four. So. In the Fords, it's only going to come out of an F-350 up till 1997. Yeah. So if you're going on Craigslist or Marketplace or something like that, it's oftentimes cheaper to buy an entire non-running vehicle and torch the <laughs> axles out because the axles, a Ford high pinion uh, kingpin or even ball joint rebuildable hub, you know, 97 and older mm-hmm. Dana 60, you're pretty much going to spend between $800 and $1,200 for these days Whew. just for the axle. Wow. But I have found and bought and done this many, many times, five $600 nine-running F-350s. I recall one that you had at the uh, one of your old houses with that. Yep. I know I mentioned it before. It was 60s front and rear locked and three or had Detroit lockers and 355 gears. Yeah, it's been modified <laughs> a little bit, but that was an old 78 yeah. Ford. So, yep. um, so, you know, look for that. Yeah. Now, if you're looking for a passenger drop... Well, before I even get into that, if you're looking for a, a newer driver drop and you want a Super Duty axle, you're in luck. Most of the Super Duty axles that have ever been made are Dana 60s. Nice. But warning, 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 <laughs> warning. They used to make, and they don't make it anymore, they stopped making it in 2005, a Dana 50 solid axle front that looks like a Dana 60. Huh. One, all Ford Excursions are Dana 50s. They never put Bummer. a Dana 60 in the front of a Ford Excursion. Bummer. Supposedly, there's a couple military spec versions that do, but I've never seen one, so I don't believe it right yeah. now. The Dana 50 uses a Dana 60 housing, but it will not fit Dana 60 gears. It's machined differently. I think I, think I had something on that. It's 30 spline axle shafts, yeah. Dana 44 size ones. It's not something you want to get. And... You can go on Marketplace in any city no, I didn't. <laughs> in the U.S., probably worldwide today, mm-hmm. and find Dana 50s that are being sold as Dana 60s. Bomber. And to the naked eye, it's very, very difficult. Yeah. The easiest, easiest way to tell the difference between a Dana 50 and a Dana 60 mm-hmm. from a Ford Super Duty is to look at the tag that is on the passenger side axle tube. Okay. It's a white tag. It's a sticker. But whatever material they used is really, really on there. <laughs> and so 9 out of 10 axles, it's still on there. Really? That's impressive. Wipe the grease off the sticker. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see, I think it's the lower right corner, there's going to be three numbers. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be 229 or 248. And that's the <laughs> millimeters of the ring gear. Huh. Or I think it's the ring gear. But the 229 is a Dana 50. 248 is a Dana 60. Nice. Now... No matter what anybody says to you, if they go, oh, well, it came out of an F-350 or it came out of an F-250, <clears> so it's a good Dana 60, mm-hmm. that's not true. From 1999 
to 2004 in the F-250s and 350s, you could get either axle. Oh, geez. Now, if it was a dually, it was always a Dana 60. Yeah. And you could knock the dually hubs off, and it's a single well axle. The axle's the same. You can knock nice. the hubs off of it. Not so with the earlier ones. Yeah. You got to change out the hubs. Nice. But, uh, so from 2000, and those are going to be all your leaf spring ones. Yeah. The 2005 excursion, which is the last year for the Ford Excursion mm-hmm. in the U.S., also used Dana 50s. They used them up Bummer. is what they did. So gotcha. basically, any leaf spring Super Duty axle you're looking at, mm-hmm. you need to make sure you're getting a Dana 60. Yeah, don't want to get home after you buy it and find out. <laughs> now, when they went to the coil spring front axle for the Super Duties in 2005, mm-hmm. they never put coil springs for the four-wheel drive in the Excursion. So it was a switchover year there. In 2005, yeah. the excursion was leaf spring, and the 250s and 350s and were 450s coils. were coils. Nice. All of the coil spring front axles out of a Super Duty are two things. One, a Dana 60, mm-hmm. and two, they have 35 spline outers instead Ooh. of 30 spline outers. Nice. So as soon as you went to the coil spring, you got the bigger outer hubs, too. Nice. So there's there's an improvement there. A couple advantages to the newer then. Exactly. So that's like kind of the ultimate modern Dana 60 is out of a Ford Super Duty. Yeah. Sounds about right. If you're looking, now it gets a little more confusing if you're looking at a Dodge or a Chevy. Mm-hmm. Um, the Chevys, that's another one. The Chevys never used the uh, Dana 60 in the um, three-quarter tons. Hmm. They only used them in one tons. So that's pretty simple. It's going to be yeah. out of a K30. Yeah. Full size, one ton, four wheel drive. And that'd still be a passenger drop, or that's back to passenger drop. Okay. The and let me back up on the Fords there. I'm not sure if I said it incorrectly, but the Fords, Fords and Dodges. Mm-hmm. So Chevy was the only one that was only in the um, one ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I did say it incorrectly before. For so, um, like I said, Fords and. Dodges, you could get them in a three-quarter ton as well. Okay. Chevy's was only one ton. Gotcha. So, so I'm kind of correcting what I said previously <laughs> there. It's been a long day. My brain's kind of fried. I understand. I kind of fried my head with sunburn the last couple of days. That's why I look like Rudolph right now. In the Fords, <laughs> nice. In the Fords, you could get a Dana 60 front, but only in 78 and 79. Hmm. 86 to 97 was only F-350s. Gotcha. In the Dodges... You could get the Dana 60 front from in the in the, basically in the 70s, and it's hit and miss all the way up through in the three quarter tons. Yeah. Depends on what options you got. Easiest way to pardon me. Easiest way to tell if you're not familiar with the axle. Maybe we'll talk about that briefly when we come back from break. Mm-hmm. Is that the vehicle will always be 8,000 gross vehicle weight rating or higher to get a Dana 60. Makes sense. If it's got like 76, 77, you got a Dana 44 front. But there's a couple spotter guides we should probably talk about. Let's talk about that after break. Sounds good. See you in a minute. There's never just one of them. When you see one yellow jacket buzzing around, you can bet there's a whole colony somewhere nearby. Sometimes in nests as large as a basketball. Yellow jackets and wasps are bold, they're aggressive, and their stingers definitely hurt. So don't let them become a problem around your home. Call ABC Home and Commercial Services. They're the best in pests. ABC Home and Commercial Services. Call them today. 810-794-5678. So we're back. Um... Talking about spotting these things, mm-hmm. and and that's what we'll kind of finish this up. And like I said, I can get way too technical on these, but I understand. <laughs> uh, if you're looking at a front axle, it's an eight lug front axle, and you're looking at the older ones, kind of the uh, top of the line ones or whatever mm-hmm. in many people's minds, the the fully rebuildable, serviceable axle. Yeah. Let me say that, yeah, fully serviceable axle. That's what I like. That's that's kind of my thing. I want to be able to fix whatever I've got. Kingpin versus ball joint, and you can argue all day long whether one is stronger or the other. I've seen pros and cons to both. Mm-hmm. But how to identify them, or at least how to identify the Kingpin Dana 60s, which are the most valuable out there. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it on the podcast way back in the 8 lug, apo- eight lug Axle episode, which I think is at number 8. Yes. So that's almost a year ago. Probably about that, yeah. Yeah, about a year ago. Yeah. Where your axle pivots... Mm. Um, 
where the spin or the knuckle pivots for your steering at the very top and the very bottom if there's one big bolt top one big bolt bottom mm-hmm. where it pivots basically if you draw a line like straight up through where the pivot point is like a hinge mm-hmm. one bolt top one bolt bottom you got ball joints okay four bolts top four bolts bottom you got kingpins oh hold on one second here so <clears throat> we are one year and one day over our eight log episode so this is a good time to do it then. So we're talking <laughs> yeah. about we're talking about the eight lug ap- axles yep. again. But so that's basically it. Um, there's a ton more things we could talk about, upgrades and other things we'll talk about over the years uh, as we go on. That, with that was one thing I found a tremendous amount of aftermarket support for these things. Huge, huge. Oh my god! And not not just the support for the Dana built axles, but there's a whole aftermarket world of Dana sixties. Yeah, the Rock Jacks, the Pro Rocks. Um, I think Dynatrack makes one, if I'm yep. not mistaken. Yep. It's just, just, it's endless what you can do with these things. Absolutely. Uh, there, there's, you can build all sorts of just crazy, crazy oh, axles yeah. with these things. Oh yeah. They're, they're a fantastic, you know, factory axle. Uh, there's yeah. really nothing better. They are the gold standard. Mm-hmm. There are, yes, there are military grade axles that are stronger. Mm-hmm. There are race quality axles that are typically built on a Dana 60 base that are stronger. Yeah. Oh yeah. But the Dana 60 is the holy grail. Now, do you need to have a Dana 60? In fact, going back to our 8-lug axle episode, I remember you asked me a question on that episode. Mm -hmm. And it was something along the lines of, when do you need a Dana 60? I remember that question. And pretty much my answer was kind of a generic answer, but 40 inches in your tires and higher, you want to be in Dana 60 territory. Yeah. But in a lighter weight vehicle... Uh, it's basically going to be preference and how hard you're pushing it. But mm-hmm. that 37-inch to 40-inch tire range, if you're really wheeling really hard, um, it's probably time to step up to a 60 front. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's guys that wheel on Dana 44s with 40-inch tires, and they don't blow them up. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of where I, you're I'd at. I'd call that like an advanced level skill. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> really is. You know, it's not your mild trail axle. You're not no. going to wheel regularly on 33. I mean, you can, but... Now you're giving up ground clearance and all that yeah. and weight. But, oh, yeah. Um, I'm good with what I got for now. i, I got to focus on fixing it still. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, there, I mean, there's been minor progress on that. Fuel assembly's ready to go in. Mm-hmm. Shocks, shock internals are all ready. Hang on, hang on, hang on. John's <laughs> just going off on a tangent here, and he didn't even <laughs> explain what he's talking about. So, John, what are you talking about? Oh, uh, my uh, Pegasus. Okay. So the Wrangler, I contaminated the fuel system, dropped it, flushed it, put it all back together. So it's ready to reinstall. Good. And then I'm rebuilding Fox Remote Reservoir shocks to go on it. Um, <laughs> basically, I've just got to, I'm going to scrub them up a little bit with some sandpaper, clear coat them, put them back together, uh, recharge them, and, and install them. There you go. So it's... That's your, it's, that's your kind of 4x4 uh, news? Pretty much, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've been, I mean, busy working on that. It took me a couple of days to get through all the rebuilds, and I honed all the cylinder bodies, which I wasn't going to do, but one of them got a little water in there, and they were all looking a little nasty. So I, per recommendation of a, the company I bought all the rebuild parts from, it's got a little uh, piston, um, what's the word, disc brake piston honing tool. Yeah. <laughs> I bought that, put it on an extension, and just went through, cleaned everything up in all the tubes. They look great. Good, good. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm real excited to get those on and have some actual suspension again. <laughs> Absolutely. So, and then just collecting some more parts for Project XJ. Very I kind of got to get going on that really bad. <laughs> yeah, you do. It's been like a year you've been talking about it on the podcast, and you haven't gotten any progress, so. I, I made a lot of progress, actually. Mm. <laughs> but... Yeah, I get you, I get you. Only thing other than that, we got a new little visitor I noticed today um, running around my shop. There's a little teeny tiny little black kitten running around behind the garage. Oh, nice! Yeah, New friend for the house? Don't know. Saw him once. uh, I spooked him. He ran under a cart, and I didn't see him again. Okay. So we'll see if he hangs around. Yeah. We've had a couple of uh, strays running around lately, and one of them's been getting real close and friendly with everybody. That'll happen. So this one, I mean, he's a tiny little thing, but he's really cute. Oh, there <laughs> Solid you Solid black. Yeah. Really fluffy. So we'll see if we can't catch him or just let him be. Who very knows? cool. Very cool. 
Yeah. I I don't have much in four by four news. We talked about the Bronco, which was kind mm-hmm. of something I wanted to touch on. I thought yeah. I I didn't know when we were going to do it, but how they're <laughs> they've announced that they're going to bring it out early. I just saw the article about the seven speed transmission and had. And you're pretty excited about <laughs> yeah. that, yeah, yeah. I uh, Project Excursion is still running like crap, and every time I slam the door, I lose more of it. So oh. uh, the body is just falling apart, but it's paid off. It's mine. Um, nice. Is what it is. I I went from being a prospect to a full-fledged member of the Scroungers Car mm-hmm. Club, which means i got to get one of my old ones back on the road. I was going to ask you if you had any more uh, decision tree process on that done. Yeah. I know we were talking about that last time. I think I'm going to get the 55 Bel Air going nice. in the next couple of weeks, potentially. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night, I was actually outbid on what I wanted to become my next work truck. Oh, and it's bummer. probably... On eBay, it's probably a good thing because I didn't really want to spend the money. But <laughs> uh, so here's the deal: there was a 1930 Ford Model A panel truck. Dude, okay, it had been blown apart in pieces, but it was all there, mm-hmm. every single piece. I mean, all the inter- it was originally a wood framed vehicle on the inside, yeah, and all the wood was rotted, so all the panels were just laying there in a pile. Mm-hmm. But it had completely rust free. Um, original fenders which are worth nice. about 600 bucks a piece yeah now my idea was and they the panel trucks are pretty rare my idea was to buy this thing and do a street rod with it mm. with uh vintage style no hood no fenders nice. and use it as my work truck because it was a panel truck I throw everything in the back yeah and so i bid it up to 1400 bucks mm-hmm I, the next bidder hit it at 1425 so I was the second oh. highest bidder. I mean, they probably sniped me or whatever. They might have set something sky high. You never know. Yeah, I, I sniped my own auction back, actually, a few weeks ago. Okay. I Last five seconds, had a bid ready to go. Just before I hit submit, I got the outbid notice, and it submitted just in time oh. to get it. I was so excited. Well, <laughs> you know, I I I was a little bummed, but not, you know, but my... my my justification for spending that much is I knew I could have turned around for what I was buying it for and probably sold the fenders and had basically the truck for free. Nice. So I wasn't really willing to go. It's probably worth every bit of two thousand twenty five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. I wasn't willing to go that high because then I would still be a thousand fifteen hundred dollar yeah. pocket. Where I knew if I bought it at fourteen, I could turn around, flip the fenders yeah. and a few of the other little parts that were there, and make most of my money back. Yeah, and then build a cool street rod out of oh, just yeah. crap that I got laying around. Yeah, that would be sweet. But um, you know, I've looked at a couple other ones, but I think the fifty five Chevy for the time being, I'm gonna have some fun with. Nice. We'll see. Um, I guess the last thing, um, kind of getting off that topic for a minute, though, Museum Minutes. Oh. We got an announcement. Yeah. You going to make it? Which one? We did announcements last week. Well, actually, by the time <laughs> this episode airs, the museum will be back open. Oh, right. I'm, I'm, a, I'm thinking a week behind. I'm sorry. Yeah. Or a week so over. So by it. the time this episode airs, we are going to be open this upcoming Saturday. Yes. Is going to be our... I thought that was last week. Our Grand Re-Corona <laughs> opening. Um, <laughs> Grand Re-Corona. You know, whatever you want to call it. But, like it. Um, you know, we already talked about it with the board and the building. I, I think off the top of my head, we figured out it's got like 160 capacity. So mm-hmm. we're going to limit to like 80 people at a time. I don't think that's that going to be a problem. Um, That'd but, be cool if it was. Yeah, no, 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 I know. <laughs> but uh, if we did get a big slam, we might say, hey, you know, we need some people to wait for the social yeah. distancing. Um, and that's really the only thing that we have to follow at this mm-hmm. time. I looked into a bunch of the other things. You know, it's kind of optional if yeah. you want to require masks or any sort of, you know, steps apart and things yeah. like that. But it, it's a huge building. So oh, yeah. social distancing is no problem in there. No. And uh, I mean, we frequently stood across and yelled at each other. Yeah, exactly. I exactly. Mean, bored, but. <laughs> so I'm planning on when the museum's open to be working on the theater, which, by the way, I don't know if you saw, I got a theater screen now. I did see the, so yeah. got that. Yeah, very cool. Um, and yeah, actually, that's something else we can mention about the museum mm-hmm. briefly. Um, you know, we created a quote-unquote secret Facebook group for museum staff and volunteers. Hey, that's rule number one. You don't talk about it. You don't talk Come about on. it, yep. Um, if somebody is interested in being in that, the only way you can be in that is to actually be a physical volunteer of the museum. Yeah. So we're, but we are always looking for volunteers from museum Absolutely. people to spend time going out and 
you know, promoting the museum, people mm-hmm. to come to the museum in Michigan here and help clean and help inventory and just yeah, some of know, these events. Build. There's a lot to help set up and events and things yeah. like that. You know, so if you want to be involved in the museum hands on, mm-hmm. we'll put you in that group and you'll be able to kind of see what we're going. It's, yeah. it's not like board member voting type stuff. No, but what it is is we're, you know, it's our inner talkings back and forth, planning events, things like yeah. that. But uh, it's not something that you can just ask to join. You have to be added by a uh, museum member. Yeah. And um, but you know we'd love for you to be in there. Oh, so, yeah. so if you want to be in there, helping out, let us know and we'll we'll set it up. Yeah, start helping out at the museum. Yeah. We're always looking for volunteers, uh, mm-hmm. especially someone to mop the floors right now. Yeah, yeah. Because I think Ed put some mud there with his Sandro when he just left. Just a little bit. Just a little just bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, Man, I think that's about all I've got for today. Is there anything else you got going on, John? Nothing I can think of, really. I mean, I'm just, this heat's been pretty miserable last few days. It's been great. But you're smoking, man. Dude, I've told you how many times, middle of the winter, I say, I hate the cold, but I love the heat. I've been so happy the last several days. Mm, Love it. You make one. (laughs) One what? One who's liking it. I don't know what people's problem is. It's, It's like Venezuela. I love it. Heat sucks. Or Mexico. Eh, they got good tequila. Cuba. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I love the heat. <laughs> I hate it. I can't stand it. I <laughs> I like cold. Cold and dark. I'm happy. Dude, why don't you tell our listeners um, where they can find us, where they can continue our conversation? You want me to give them your address? I mean, whatever. It seems like everybody <laughs> seems to know it anyways. No, so if you guys do have any more questions or comments, check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash 4x4talk, or just look us up, a couple quick questions, get you in the group, and you can ask away. Follow along with certain things that we post in there. Just kind of get general updates from that. Uh, we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash wheelandradio. Well, it's 2 bucks a month. You get access to the end of the trail, which is the after show we do that immediately follows this. So if you want some extra cool content... It's a little more, we'll call it PG-13, if this were a PG show, or we call that R. Oh, it's got NC-17 before, but yeah, you know. Yeah, it, it, we have fun with it. It's a good time. Yeah. It says, lost two bucks a month, gets you access to all of that. Uh, of course, as always, a huge thank you to Mr. Andrew, our producer. Uh, without him, none of this would be possible. Absolutely. Thank you for thank your you, time Andrew. and service, sir. Uh, if you are watching us on YouTube, make sure to hit like and subscribe. Let us know what you think of everything, and uh, hit and subscribe. We'll make sure you see any future content that we post. So with all that, I'll say thanks for listening, and have a good one, everybody.